helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. When my daughter was young, she knew who the bad guys in her cartoons were because they always wore black. If only things were so easy in real life. There are occasions when I think things should be pretty close to black and white. For example, genocide is pretty much considered a bad thing in this country. Blaming the victim, while common, is generally considered evil. And while lying about your opponent to get your way should be considered both evil and disgusting, it's become so commonplace that, well, we almost don't react to it anymore. So how do we stop blaming the victim? We start by standing up for what is right, even against those with whom we agree. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm glad you could join me today. You know, it's interesting. uh, In the 14th Amendment, uh, states are specifically prohibited from, um, from passing laws that treat people unequally. You have to have equal protection under the laws. The idea is, the, the, the thought is there in, in the rest of the Constitution to apply it to the, to the United States, but only in the 14th Amendment and only pointing to the states are, are the states specifically prohibited from, um, from uh, unequal justice under the law. And that's where I'm going to get into this idea of um, victim shaming, victim blaming, as if the victims of, the, of an attack are responsible. Now, I, I got to be careful here because there are actions that increase your risk of certain bad things happening to you. You know, if you, if you climb on a roof without safety gear, you're increasing the risk of a fallen injury. If you ride a motorcycle without a helmet, you're, more, you're increasing the risk of being harmed uh, by being killed, actually, in a motorcycle accident. And the same way is true in, in society. If you dress, a, if, especially if women dress a certain way, they are more likely to encounter, let's say, male behavior they don't particularly like. It's not to say it's their fault, but it's a bit of an encouragement. Now, this is where I want to pick up today because um, there is a whole lot of, well, what I would call victim blaming, victim shaming, uh, and, and victimizing others that is being used to try and influence the American people. You know, after the October 7th attack by Hamas on Israel, there has been a lot of um, victim blaming, at least a form of it. I mean, how often have we seen demonstrations about, uh, you know, well, you know, the, the, the Israelis did this thing, so that's why the Palestinian, the, the Hamas, did what they did. It's, it's Israel's fault for the way they've treated Hamas. Now, let's forget all about the, the evidence that, you know, well, Israel hasn't been in Gaza for almost 20 years, that um, while Palestinians not only are welcome in Israel, they serve in the in the in the cab in, in the in the legislature. Um, Jews are not allowed to serve in in the in any office in Gaza. Let's forget all about that. 
what we have is we can justify anything we want because the other side is so evil. Even here in the United States, where we see demonstrations, uh, you know, where we see um, anti-Semitic attacks, attacks on Jewish students, attacks on Jewish neighborhoods, and uh, in many cases with with little response from the from law enforcement. But the flip side is also true. See, part of the problem I keep seeing is this um, this call to silence the those who are pro Palestinian or pro Hamas. You know, when, when people demonstrate and say, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, there are a lot of people trying to shut them up. So to me, I want to hear, because this tells me who, okay, these are the people that are either, uh, they're either stupid or they're anti-Semitic. It's one more piece of information about how I deal with anything that they say and how, how, I, would, um, how I would expect to treat them. Now, what's happening, though, is we're starting to get a little bit of blowback on some of these, or at least a little bit of talkback. Let's see if anything actually happens. Uh, take, for example, this uh, University of Pennsylvania student who um, looks like he held some sort of press conference. For the past three weeks inside Houston Hall, our student center, an anti-Semitic headquarters has been erected with signs spreading Hamas propaganda. The organizers, both pen-affiliated and not, were initially asked to leave as they are trespassing on campus property. Well, three weeks later, they are still sleeping there, and countless Jewish students have been harassed, yet the anti-Semitic dormitory remains. Clearly, both a disregard for school policies and permission to disregard them by a university unwilling to do anything. All right, let's break this down a little bit as, as we're going. So, um... Here's problem number one. I understand the hatred of anti-Semitism. If you are a Jew and someone and you, and, and someone basically hates the Jews, that's uncomfortable. It's, it, it may even bring you fear. But we still have this thing called freedom of speech. And as I understand it, the University of Pennsylvania is a publicly funded university, which means it is bound by the Constitution of Pennsylvania as part of the public trust. And Article 1, Section 7 of said Pennsylvania Constitution says the free communication of thoughts and ideas, I'm sorry, thoughts and opinions is one of the invaluable rights of man, and every citizen may freely speak, write, and print on any subject, being responsible for the abuse of that liberty. Now, this is where uh, I, I want to draw a fine line. When you're talking about we have a, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a dorm or there's an area that is blatantly anti-Semitic. They have that right to express that opinion. They have that right to live that life until they violate the rights of others, such as what he refers to as uh, instances of harassment. While I'm not a lawyer and not that versed in Pennsylvania law, I'm pretty sure it's a criminal act to harass somebody for any reason. Now, the one thing he said so far that caught my attention is, is the, are these, this organization trespassing on UPenn property? If so, why are they not being prosecuted? Why are they? Why the police are are not being called to remove the trespassers and and have them prosecuted? Not only are tensions palpable, but there have also been materialized actions taken to intimidate and harm students. A bomb threat against Hillel, a swastika spray painted, the Hillel and Chabad houses vandalized. A professor posting the armed wing of Hamas's logo on Facebook. A Jewish student accosted, Jews are Nazis, 
etched adjacent to Penn's Jewish fraternity house. Now, again, what I find interesting here is the commingling of speech and action. For example, a bomb threat is an action and can, it can be criminalized. While spray painting a swastika, unless you're in an area where you're not allowed to spray paint, that may be simple vandalism, but the fact that it's a swastika is expressing an idea. Vandalism, that's a physical act. That is a, and, and, and not a, 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 an issue of, of speech. However, a professor posting a logo on his Facebook page, that is publishing. That's freedom of the press. So you see, we've got this intermingling of actions versus speech. So when he talks about uh, uh, seeing statements that, you know, uh, against swastikas, um, Nazis, or Jews are Nazis, those are expressing ideas. When students are accosted, that's harassment. Now, the one area where things start to get a little bit of murky in my mind is when the speech calls for an action. But I want to deal with that in, in just a few minutes. Let's go back to uh, this student's uh, press conference. Why doesn't the university hold the perpetrators of such acts accountable? Is the university fearful that they may offend those who wish to intimidate and harass their fellow students? Penn's ambivalence fuels a crisis that has shattered my academic sanctuary. Policies meant to safeguard us have become hollow promises. And let us be clear, if they fail Jewish students today, tomorrow they will fail the rest of us. Now, again, a, a very interesting question. When I sit down and, and I analyze this, is UPenn equally applying their rules? And this is going to get into the, the testimony, the, the questioning from Lee Stefanik of several university presidents that I want to get to after I talk about um, uh, this young man's speech. But it's, again, is it a, uh, an equal application of the law? In other words, with, with it, if these were anti-Islamic, if these uh, statements, if these are Islamophobic statements, would the university react the same way as these anti-Semitic uh, uh, actions? Nonetheless, I refuse to go back to 1939 when Jews had to hide the religious symbols and hide who they are due to the intimidation and harassment of us. I used to think this was nonsense, fear-mongering until I was made aware that Penn recommended to students, quote, not wear clothing slash accessories related to Judaism. And this is where I think we're getting into the blame the victim. I want, I want you to listen closely because I'm, I'm going to cut this fairly fine. See, on the one hand, if the, if the university says, we have a problem where people, where, where Jewish students are being harassed and accosted Maybe it's a good idea not to advertise the fact that you're a Jew. That is a, a rational response to a, a potentially dangerous situation. If, on the other hand, and this is a big if, UPenn's response to the harassment and accosting of Jewish students is not to prosecute those who are not to investigate and find and prosecute those who are doing the harassment and and instead to get the Jews to hide the, their, their Jewishness, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a problem. That's blaming the victim. Oh, rather than going after the, the, the one committing the crime, we're going to get the ones, who, the innocent people who've done nothing wrong, 
to deny who they are in public, to, to restrict that, because then the bad guys won't have the opportunity much of an opportunity to do bad things. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the the that is the blaming of the victim. But I want to make sure you understand the distinction. It is one thing to say you can we have a bad situation, we're working on it. If you, you know, we recommend that you um that you don't outwardly show your Jewishness because it will make you less likely to be a target while we fix this problem, that's one thing. It is a tactically smart decision. If you if you look at the tactics alone, if the answer is we're not going to deal with our problem, you hide who you are, that is blaming the victim. Hundreds of posters mocking the hostages featuring cows instead of humans adorned Penn's campus two weeks ago. Well, on my way to class, I was greeted with chalk reading 90% of pigs are gas chambered. As a student, what my univer- despite what my university says, I do not feel safe. Let me be clear. I do not feel safe. And let me be clear. Um, your safety is your responsibility. You see, the problem is now you are trying to suppress someone else's speech, someone else's publication. You're trying to say, what you say makes me feel unsafe, therefore you are not allowed to say it. This has become a common mantra in a lot of academia and a lot of of, of, uh, our Marxist-Leninist societies nowadays. Okay, you got posters that mock you. Fine, you have a right to mock them back. But you don't have the right to say, I shouldn't be allowed to see this because it makes me feel unsafe. See, if you want to feel safe, how about you do something to keep yourself safe? That's where I look at this, and I know everybody's focused, oh my God, how terrible there's anti-Semitic information out there. That's reality, folks. You can't simply say, you know, let's let's say uh, UPenn did exactly what this young man is asking for. Took all the signs down, took all the 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 the, the, the images down, did not allow certain things to be said. That anti-Semitism, that thought pattern, that hatred would still be there. It would just be hidden until the next opportunity for it to explode. See, that's where I get into the issues of, of um, you know, yes, we have the, the, the school potentially blaming the victim, but here we have the victim saying, I get to victimize somebody else because I don't feel safe. By the way, any one of you who followed the, 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 the Second Amendment battles, how often are we told we have to give up our, right, our, our rights because someone else doesn't feel safe around guns? Not whether or not they are safe, whether they feel safe. Luckily, there are policies in place to protect students from the heinous acts I described. Unluckily, the university seems to have no interest in upholding those very policies. It's time for the soul of our university to reclaim its integrity. And it's time for me and my fellow classmates to stop worrying for our lives. Thank you. Again, there are policies to prevent language that you don't like. Now, let me ask you, what if it was the flip side? What if you uh, wanted to put out a menorah for Hanukkah? You want to put out a menorah for Hanukkah? Uh, You you said you can't do that because it makes people feel unsafe. You wear a yarmulke 
to class. Oh, you can't do that because it makes other people feel unsafe. They don't like it. They think it's, it's, it's Islamophobic. Would you be okay with that? See, I think we need to get down to brass tacks. We need to get down to reality. We need to get down to truth. Now, if you don't like what you're seeing, go somewhere else. Everybody has a right to express themselves. And if you're saying, well, it makes me feel unsafe. If this wasn't out there, I would feel safe. Well, what good is that if the person who is still anti-Semitic, instead of uh, posting a picture of um, hostages that are cows, sees you in your yarmulke, wearing your prayer shawl, or, or celebrating a Jewish holiday and decides, hey, how about I just beat them up? That's the problem I have with, again, it's a very mixed message. I know people want this to be black and white. It's not really that black and white. We have to allow people to express ideas we detest. We detest. It's the actions that need to be punished. And that's where I run into the problem with UPenn and some of these universities. Now, I have to take a break. And I want to get into some more universities uh, uh, testimony, but I got to take this break first. Before I go, though, you know, Every day, I in my news feeds, I'm checking AmericaOutloud.news. It's a great place to find out what's going on, to get news and information from different points of view. But I'm going to ask you to do some more. See, I want you to be involved. Don't just be a consumer of news, but share the news. Find the stories, the articles, the videos, the podcasts that really touch you or say something you find important and share them. It doesn't matter how far or how wide. It could be your family and your neighbors. It could be a large social media following. Whatever it is, share those links. By doing so, we're all hoping to share the blessings of liberty. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. 
Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution Study. Today, well, we're talking about blaming the victims. And, and uh, you know, it's a little bit of how do we parse the truth? I mean, it, it, things are rarely as black and white as people want us to believe. So in looking at, at some of the recent news, I wanted to get into the details and parse a little bit of what's going on, not to diminish the evil, but to recognize that uh, um, we have to be careful that in going after what we find evil, we don't become the very evil that we are trying to suppress. Uh, for example, there, there's been a lot of talk about uh, um, university professors, uh, I'm sorry, university presidents from UPenn, Harvard, and MIT that testified before Congress. And uh, well, let me play just a little bit of it, and then let's let's see what we can what we can learn, what we can take away. Dr. Kornbluth, does M at MIT does calling for the genocide of Jews violate MIT's code of conduct or rules regarding bullying and harassment? Yes or no? If targeted at individuals, not making public statements. Yes or no? Calling for the genocide of Jews does have, not constitute bullying and harassment. I have not heard calling for the genocide for Jews on our campus. But you've heard chants for intifada. I've heard chants, which can be anti-Semitic depending on the context, when calling for the elimination of the Jewish people. So those would not be according to the MIT's code of conduct or rules? That would be um, investigated of, as harassment if pervasive and severe. Now, the person asking the questions is Representative Stefanik, and I have heard all sorts of people making all sorts of praise for her bravery and standing up and all this. Um, here's the problem. She's asking a hypothetical. And pretty much every lawyer I've, I've heard talk to, you have to be extremely careful answering a hypothetical because you don't have the details. So when she says, is calling for the, the, uh, the, the killing of the Jews, is that to violate your policy? Well, problem number one is, what do you mean calling for the Jews? Are you saying that, um, you know, we everybody stand up now, find all the Jews and kill them? Are you saying, I think the, the Jews should all be killed? Those are two separate statements, one of which is actionable, one of which, one of which is a constitutionally protected speech. You're expressing an opinion. Now, she, she says, well, you know, um, have you heard call for Antifada? Again, Antifada could mean getting rid of Israel, returning the land to, or supposedly returning the land to the Palestinians, when it actually never belonged to the Palestinians, it belonged to the Arabs before that, but that's, that's not my point. Antifada could mean killing Jews everywhere. It could be a war against uh, a specific country. So I understand the, the 
hesitancy of these presidents to respond because this hypothetical has a lot of ifs, uh, which, by the way, seems to be something that Ms. Stefanik is not only unwilling to acknowledge, but even to um, even to accept from these. For the, and again, we're talking about policies. Now, again, we have to be careful. Uh, I believe both University of Pennsylvania and MIT are publicly funded public universities. These are state universities, not federal universities. Harvard, however, is a private university. They, they, they can have their own policies. Uh, we haven't gotten to Harvard yet, but um, again, what we have here is we have a member of Congress attempting to coerce a state school or multiple state schools to a policy, not by law, but by grandstanding. Ms. McGill, at Penn, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's rules or code of conduct? Yes or no? If the speech turns into conduct, it can be harassment, yes. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer yes, Ms. McGill. I'm sorry, Ms. Ms. Devonick, that's not true. You see, you have an idea. When you're saying, I'm assuming when you say uh, a calling for genocide, that someone is saying uh, uh, that they they say we should all go out and kill the Jews. The problem is, you're not being specific. You're asking these people to answer a hypothetical, and in fact, as we're going to see, you are trying to now shame them into your preferred uh, 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 position. Right now, the problem is, I may agree that calling for the genocide of the Jews is awful. I may think that somebody that wishes all the Jews dead has an awful position. But there's a difference between speech and action. The First Amendment says you can do nothing to abridge speech. If someone says, I want all the Jews dead, Congress is constitutionally prohibited from making that illegal. To say that we're going to ground up the Jews and kill them, that is action. And you've plunked yourself right in the middle. And you're using that to um, bully and intimidate these, the, or attempt to bully and intimidate these presidents. So is your if testimony it, that it, you will not answer yes? If it uh, is, if the, yes speech or becomes, no. if the speech becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Conduct meaning committing the act of genocide? Now, notice how Ms. Stefanik jumps over what the president said. She said, there's a difference between speech and conduct. If the speech is, uh, I, want all the Jew I want all the Jews dead, that's one thing. If the speech is, let's gather up all the Jews, that's calling for a conduct. That is not, oh, someone actually has to commit genocide before that happens. Stefan just jumps right over, over the shark and um, goes to a hyperbolic. So she goes from a hypothetical to a hyperbolic uh, response to 
what, again, I'm not real thrilled with the way uh, 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 this president has responded, or any of the presidents respond, but I recognize under the Constitution and laws of the United States, you have the right to hold ideas others find horrendous. You have the right to express those ideas. You do not have the right to deprive others of their rights. And that's where, so far, these presidents seem to be trying to, to uh, find that, that distinction that uh, Ms. Stefanik just will not accept. The speech is not harassment. This is unacceptable, Ms. McGill. No, sorry. What's unacceptable, Ms. Stefanik, is you using your position in Congress to bully and intimidate in an area you have zero legal authority. You have no constitutional authority. Regulating education is not a power delegated to the United States. You are not seeking to write a law. You are not seeking to impeach a, a, a government actor. What you are doing is grandstanding. And you're not getting the answer you're white, you want. It's politically hot-button issue. And now you're deciding what is and is not acceptable. That is unacceptable. That is not your job. That is not your role. I know people have been standing up and praising everything you say. It's about time you start hearing the cold, hard truth, Mrs. Stavonic. You've taken this too far. I'm going to give you one more opportunity for the world to see your answer. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Penn's code of conduct when it comes to bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Before I give the, 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 the president's answer, let me give you my answer. Mr. Stefanik, I refuse to be bullied and intimidated into giving an answer without, to a hypothetical question without sufficient context or detail. And if you don't like it, well, that's just too darn bad. Because this whole thing is nothing but a kangaroo court and you are showing off for the cameras. Congress has no constitutional authority to tell any of these universities what their codes of conduct should be. In fact, it is you that are violating your oath of office by doing this. And thus ends my testimony for you, period. Now let's listen to the, uh, the president of MIT, what her response was. It can be harassment. The answer is yes. And here you have the perfect example of why I hate, when it comes to political parties, a pox on both their houses. I hate them. Because just because she's a Republican, you, you'd think she'd follow the Constitution. No. She's ignoring the Constitution. She's violating the Constitution. But she gets away with it because, well, she's a Republican. Therefore, the, all, the, the Republican chattering class are all up in support of this harassment. And Dr. Gay, at Harvard, does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. What's the context? Targeted as an individual, targeted as, at an individual. It's targeted at Jewish students, Jewish individuals. Do you understand your testimony is dehumanizing them? Do you understand that dehumanization is part of anti-Semitism? Ma'am, do you understand that anti-Semitism is not a crime? There is no federal crime of anti-Semitism because it's an, it's, it's an opinion. It's, it's a belief. It is a, a, an expression which is protected. As evil as it is, it is protected. And I'm sure Ms. Stefanik would be up in arms 
if someone were to say that that a claim she believes to be true is now uh, unacceptable. It's unacceptable to, to allow that on campus. I will ask you one more time. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment? Yes or no? Anti-Semitic rhetoric. When it and is it anti-Semitic rhetoric? Anti-Semitic rhetoric when it crosses into conduct that amounts to bullying, harassment, intimidation, that is actionable conduct and we do take action. Now you see, she's being specific. The problem is Stefanik is being general. She's being specific. Rhetoric, when it crosses into action, when it crosses into to doing something, that is what can be prosecuted because that becomes illegal. It's, it's, it, it's, it's not illegal to say, I think all the Jews should be killed. It is perfectly legal to say, it is illegal to say, um, we need to round up the Jews and kill them. We need to, we need to call for an action to do this. The, the, and again, I'm no fan of any of these universities. They're, they're hotbeds of, of, of anti-Semitism, of, of Marxism, of anti-human rhetoric. But here, in this instance, I got to side with the presidents because they're being set up and they're being set up by a, a member of Congress who is using her position. What, tell me, where does Congress have any authority to oversee the code of conduct of any university? It doesn't. But here we have Representative Stefanik saying, I, as a member of Congress, have the moral, legal, and constitutional authority to tell you what your code of conduct should be. And if you don't kowtow, your actions are unacceptable. So the answer is yes, that calling for the genocide of Jews violates Harvard code of conduct, correct? Again, it depends on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. These are unacceptable answers across the board. And we have come to the conclusion. You have Elise Stefanik telling Harvard University not only what their code of conduct is, what it means and how it is to be applied, ignoring the details, ignoring the context, simply determining because she's a member of Congress, she's going to tell these three universities what your standards are. This is tyranny, ladies and gentlemen. Elise Stefanik is a dictating tyrant right now. I'm sure that's not her intention. But where's the people standing up and going, excuse me, Ms. Stefanik, what's your right even to call these people to do and to testify on this? Where's your constitutional authority? You know, there's a very simple problem. I've heard lawyers across the country say the same thing. Do not talk to the police. Why? Because you may say something that gets you into You may be perfectly innocent, but you may say something, you may say something wrong, and it may get you in trouble with the police. Well, you know what? Time to say nothing to Congress. Unless they're following a constitutionally authorized process to do, perform a constitutionally authorized uh, task, the answer to Congress is nothing. You know, after I received my federal subpoena to testify in Phoenix, I got thinking about, uh, about the subpoenas and, and all that stuff. And my answer is real simple. Silence. I refuse to answer. You have no legal authority to ask those questions. I refuse to answer. You have no constitutional authority to review our code of conduct. I refuse to answer.
And in fact, as far as I'm concerned, you're committing an impeachable offense by even entertaining this. You have ordered my appearance. You have no legal authority to order my appearance. You violated the Fifth Amendment in doing so. You're asking me to testify for something that you have no legal, no legal jurisdiction over. I refuse to answer. My statement is, this is a kangaroo court. It is unconstitutional. It is impeachable for you to do this. And I refuse to answer. And if you don't like it, lump it. I am sure there is not a member of Congress that wants to hear that. I'm sure it'd piss them all off. Good. Because that's exactly what they need to hear. They aren't our bosses. They aren't our masters. They are public servants. Start acting like it. Listen, I take a break. Before I go, though, you know, I don't know about you, I get to the end of some days and I am toast. My mind just doesn't want to work. That's when I reach for a focus and recall from Healthy Cell. It's a group of vitamins they sell. It comes in a travel-ready gel pack. It helps boost my short-term memory, my short-term focus, and my long-term brain power. Just using vitamins. No caffeine, no sugar. It works great. You can find out more at americaoutloud.shop. Get to the details because you can get 25% off your first order of anything from Healthy Cell. Check it out. Get the details at americaoutloud.shop. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD. of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. 
Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Can you rejoin the Constitution study? I'm glad you could be, you'd be here. You know, we're talking about blaming the victim, and I want to take some time and parse the, um, well, parse the rhetoric. Uh, you know, things are rarely as black and white as we seem, and I, I think, I hope, we've all learned something from taking some time and parsing the rhetoric. Not playing political games, not, you know, supporting donkeys or elephants, but look what's actually being said, what's actually being do- done uh, in our name. And, and again, a lot of it has to do with universities and their position and what they're doing. And um, that part is, in many ways, I see it's becoming a lot of what we claim to be fighting against right now. Uh, for example, again, we've talked a lot about universities. And I got one more for you. There was a study conducted by uh, what they call the AMCHA. I have no idea what that stands for. Um, but it says only 4% of American universities condemned the Hamas attack of October 7th. Now, a lot of people are, I would say, justifiably upset. And the the thing I want to bring to the to fore, and I want to remind you again, this tells us a lot about um, the universities. It, it tells us a lot about them. I'm not saying that they... Uh, uh, you know, should they should have condemned the attacks because of outside pressure. If they don't feel that the attacks were horrific, that tells us a lot about them. And I think we should, if we were smart, we would use that as we, well, as we consider where we're going to go to school or where we're going to advise our children to go to school, where we are going to spend our money. Because if if you're you're sending your children to a university that is not one of those four percent, it's quite possible they may be indoctrinated with the idea that hey, rape and murder. They they may be told that that these rapes and murders didn't happen. Ignore the evidence. We're telling you it didn't happen. I've seen a lot of that. I've heard a lot of that. Um, I'm not surprised by a lot of that. But it tells you a lot about what your child is going to be indoctrinated with. Now. Of those four percent that condemned it, I'm still curious as to um, what they, how they, how they framed it, how they 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 responded, because the study said that only two percent of these universities were committed to addressing persistent Jew hatred on campus. Well, the, part of the question is: Is there an assumption that there is a persistent Jew hate on a specific campus? In other words, let's not take the group of universities that, uh, uh, you know, they, they represent a, a, a group. How about we look at the individual universities and, and find out more? That it, it, that's, I guess, the, part, the point I want to be making out is, is it's easy to gut-check react and say, how dare you, you awful American universities, and ex- expect them to play the game, put on the show. Versus, I want to learn about them. You, 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 you've, you've decided not to condemn. Maybe you didn't condemn because you don't want to get in the middle of it. Maybe you look at it and say, my job is to educate students. I don't want to get into the middle. 
because if I if I condemn this, I'm going to get attacked from this side. If I don't, can you know, if I if I praise it, I'm going to get attacked from the other side. How about I just sit right here in the middle and keep my mouth shut? I don't know, but it certainly should get us to think about how we treat these universities, how we support these universities, and um, whether or not we will continue to do business with these universities. And again, there's another area where we can learn a lot, and maybe it'll help explain a lot. See, there was a, a letter um, that was uh, sent. I guess it's a public letter that starts out. Uh, it was sent to, pre to President Biden and Vice President Harris. And they said, we, the undersigned fall 2023 White House and Executive Office of the President interns, will no longer remain silent on the ongoing genocide of the Palestinian people. They go on to say, we are Palestinian, Jewish, Arab, Muslim, Christian, Black, Asian, Latina, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Latin, there's a cute one, white and queer. We heed the voice of the American people and call on the administration to demand a permanent ceasefire. We are not the decision makers of today, but we aspire to be the leaders of tomorrow, and we will never forget how the pleas of the American people have been heard and thus far ignored. All right, that should tell you a lot. That should scare. If you have a concern about the future, about the world your children and your grandchildren grow, that should scare you. Okay, they want a ceasefire. Okay, in general, I think a uh, we would all like a we would like to see a cessation of hostilities. There's a problem. The problem is only well, while both sides call for a ceasefire, only one side has ever. Soon for peace. Only one side has ever actually sued for peace. But the idea that we are not the decision makers today, but we aspire to be the leaders of tomorrow. This is your future, ladies and gentlemen. These are interns at the White House, 40 of them. Oh, by the way, it was also signed in solidarity, 40 White House and EOP interns for Palestine. Domestic Policy Council, Executive Office of the President, Executive Office of the President, Council of Economic Advisors, Office of Clean Energy and Innovation and Implementation, Office of the Presidential Correspondence, Office of Science and Technology Policy, Office of the United States Trade Represent Representative, Office of the Vice President, White House Council on Environmental Quality, and other White House offices who wish to remain anonymous. So these are interns throughout the executive, uh, the executive branch. Now, listen, they are entitled to their own opinion. They're even entitled to petition their bosses to say something. The part that scares me is, okay, um, you seem to be more interested in the racist statement of who you are and who you represent than looking at any facts and data. But it's even worse. The assumption that the United States has the moral, much less legal authority, to tell another, another, another sovereign nation what their policy must be. See, they seem to be worried about the, the genocide of the Palestinian people. They don't seem to care about the genocide of the Jewish people. Remember, it was Hamas that entered Israel. It was Hamas that shot uh, civilians in the back. It was Hamas that videoed themselves raping and torturing and beheading whole families. It was Hamas that um, 
that that initiated this attack. And if you look at the way Israel has responded, what has Israel done? Did they simply carpet bomb Hamas? No. No, they're the ones that have been sending out leaflets saying, uh, don't go here because we're going to bomb here. They've been saying, if you're here, leave because there's a, a, a Hamas site we are going to target. And this is referred to as genocide. See, I, read, I look at this and say, hey, I want you to tell me these things. I don't want these people to be quiet. I want them to speak up. It shows me just how corrupted, how detached from any sense that there is a reality that these young heads full of mush, as, as, as Limbaugh used to refer to them, they are. I bet you all these interns have spent most of their lives in, in publicly run schools and probably many of these universities. You remember the same ones that refused to condemn Hamas? They refused to attend the, condemn the attack. Could it be that they've been, tra- they've been taught this, this one-sided situation and the idea that there's more than they, than they could possibly know never seems to enter into the equation. Now, I want to shift gears here because I've spent a lot of time dealing with the Hamas and stuff um, because there's another big area. It's this whole transgender nonsense, that uh, it, it, insanity that's been sweeping the nation. Now, I have a, a quote I want you to hear. Um, she's the president of the National Women's Law Center. L- listen to what she had to say. Um, this is during some testimony because it was recorded off of C-SPAN. And success in school sports depends on a whole range of factors, including how hard you work and coaching and access to really good resources and facilities. And trans students participate in sports for the same reason as their kids, because it is fun, because it creates belonging and community, because it teaches so much about persistence and leadership. And And, and I interrupt there for a second. But I want you to understand, she's framing this as if, well, we have to allow trans students to participate in sports. I have not heard anybody deny that trans trans people, quote unquote, trans people should be allowed to participate in sports. But there's this subtle little thing she weaves in there that I want you to consider. And discipline, unless they learn to lose gracefully, hopefully. Did she, she just say, that women who've been competing against men that have a, a biological advantage, a physical advantage, a real, testable, observable advantage, should just learn to learn, lose gracefully? See, this is the, the, let's blame the victim. It's not the fact that you have denied the, the you've denied the whole reason we have women's sports that there are sports where women and men have physically different abilities and um, do not compete on the same, on a level playing field. She wants the unlevel playing field and she wants the victim to simply lose gracefully when the other side is cheating. What's the old lawyer saying? When the facts are on your side, argue the facts. When the law is on your side, argue the law. When neither is on your side, simply pound the table and yell. Well, that pretty much describes 
Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. See, there was a, uh, a Riley Gaines, fantastic college swimmer, female, by the way. Yes, actually female. Um, she was testifying before a subcommittee and, uh, and, in the House, I believe, and uh, about the fact that, you know, she's the fastest woman, holds records, but she was competing. The problem is she's been competing against a dude and lost several uh, swim meets, which could, which impacted, could have impacted her, her career. You know what the response was by Acacia Cortez? She claimed that uh, all underage women will face genital examinations if biological men are barred from women's sports. I'm sorry, you can't make up that level of stupid. The, 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 you cannot make up that level of stupid. Let me, Ms. Ocasio Cortez, before we started letting boys compete in girls' sports, did we have general examinations? For the decades, was it Title IX? I forget which one it is, where the government said you have to, the federal government said you have to have female sports? For the decades, did we have genital examinations? No. No, what this is, Mrs. Cage Cortez, is BS. This is you making up crap out of thin air to make things, to, to make the other side look bad. Now, again, you have every right to say that. Show the world just how stupid you are. Be my guest. Because anyone that listened to what she just said or read what she just said, she said, and again, th this is the quote. We are talking about opening up all women and girls to exam a gentle examination when they are underage, potentially just because someone can point to someone and say, I don't think you are a girl. That is beyond a bald-faced lie. And you know what? To the people in her district that voted for her, that's what you got. That's what represents you. And if you're not ashamed and embarrassed, I feel for you. I really do. Because it must take an awful lot of work to be that stupid. I know people say you shouldn't use words. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm following Diedrich, uh, Friedrich Bonhoeffer. That is a level of stupid I have not seen in a long, long time. Now, again, she has every right to be stupid. But now you're saying, you know, we're going to blame the victims, the women, we're going to scare the victims, right? Because the women who are now dealing with boys in girls' bathrooms, boys in girls' locker rooms, boys sh uh, uh, showering naked in front of young girls, boys who are, who, who are like 400th in the nation in swimming go to the girls' side and suddenly are setting records. That's supposed to be fair. And Ms. Acacia Cortez's response is, well, we're going to have to do peekaboos if, you, if, we go, if we go back to, back to true segregated sports where men and women, boys and girls, in sports where physicality is important, play on different teams. And this is what our debate has, has fallen to. No one is calling for transgender to be barred from sports. But you see, they use it to scare the victims, to make it seem as if, as if those who are already being victimized will be victimized even more. No one ever has called for, for genital inspection before playing in sports. But you see, we throw this boogeyman. We try to scare people. You attack the victim. And I've, well, I've watched it 
in, you know, for decades around the Second Amendment. This is the state of play now. We can't allow a def, you know, an, an idea we find detestable. And when the other side do it, they're evil. When our side does it, it's, it's good and moral. We, we have to lie to get our positions across. And of course, the ends justify the means. So we're fully justified in lying about what's, what's going on because, well, we're on, the, we're on the right side of history. At least we think so. See, blaming the victim, in my mind, comes in many different ways. Whether that's telling women they cannot wear certain clothing outside because it could give guys the wrong ideas. Whether we're telling people that, that you cannot express an idea because it makes somebody feel unsafe. Whether you, you the government says, you must adopt our policy or else to universities. Or whether we have women lying and making up outrageous claims in support of an agenda that is relatively young, relatively new, and acting as if it's always been this way. We're at you. What do you mean trying to change things? It's always been this way when it's never been this way it literally in human history. That's blaming the victim, that's victimizing the victim, and it should inform us how we respond to people with such atrocious and truly abhorrent ideas. I hope you didn't find what I said abhorrent. I hope you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study weekdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio Network. All the episodes go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard in the radio, and you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating or review. It helps other people find the Constitution Study. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But as always, share them, please. By doing so, you help share the blessings of liberty.